Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and you're listening to the GTA Tech Talk Show, GTA standing for Global Tech Advocates, which by coincidence leads me to Russ Shaw. Hello, Russ, who's my fellow presenter. Hello, Sue. How are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh, We're joined by two, well, very inspiring uh, guests uh, today. Uh, So we've got Julian Hall and Mark Martin, who've rushed here. (laughs) (laughs) Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. So so I'm going to leave you just a call down Thank for you. a little bit and get some water because uh, <laughs> I know you've run to the studio. Um, in the meantime, Russ, uh, just tell us a little bit more about the Road to Million campaign. Uh, in our last podcast, we obviously talked about GTA, but but um, yes. yeah, just give us a little bit of an overview and particularly the Road to Million campaign, which we're very excited about. Yes. So Global Tech Advocates is a community of tech leaders, experts, investors um, that focuses on two things. One, we, can, uh, we champion the growth and the success of specific tech hubs around the world, and we campaign to address the challenges facing tech companies. So we're sitting here in London, which is great, uh, which is the largest network that we have in GTA. But we're also going to focus on a lot of the international hubs as well in the coming podcast. So that's very exciting. And one of the things that we're working on in the London community through Tech London Advocates is this Road to One Million campaign. How do we create a million digital and tech jobs in London by 2023. So very exciting. And in the last podcast, uh, if my memory serves me right, you were saying that currently there's 350,000 tech jobs in London. Yes. And you're aiming... Four not million. to top it up to a million, but to add an extra million. Is that right? No, we want. We actually we want top to top it, it up to, to a million. million. Okay. So we need to create. That's easy then. Six hundred fifty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't want to kill ourselves okay, in the process. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but if we do that, and I, I think I said that you know, in order to do that, we have to create one digit, new digital and tech job every three minutes. So so if we're talking about digital, that then um, let's say for example, you know, I go to um, Waitrose. Because yes. I'm that sort of person. Yes. I don't go to Tesco's. I go okay. to White Trains. Um, and I go in there and there used to be loads and loads of people on tills. And now there's automated tills. Mm-hmm. But actually, instead of somebody sitting on the till, you've now got a... You could describe possibly as a digital tech person who's overseeing the automated ones and helping people through yes. to navigate that. Yes. Would you consider that to be a tech job? Um I don't think <laughs> I'm that's not you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. So not, I'm thinking that right at one end. It, it could be. It's it's not quite what I was thinking about per se. I mean, right. for me, a, a digital tech job needs to have kind of a basic level of digital element component to it. Okay. At, so you're creating you're creating yes. something out of digital, yes. yeah, so to speak. So you're you're talking about artificial intelligence, you know, augmented reality, maybe robotics, and all of that sort of Those, stuff. but also digital content. So if okay. you're a blogger um, or if you're setting up your own website for your business, you know, that will require a basic level of digital skills. If you're a digital marketeer, if you're on the financial side of things and need to look at how websites operate, how you measure their success, et cetera. There's a degree of digital skill required for some of that. So that's what I'm looking at here. Okay, so that could be somebody, you know, who's ancient like me, who's, you know, possibly going to retire and thinking, oh, I'm going to have a, you know, I'm, I'm going to do something I've always wanted to do my whole life. You know, I'm going to do something or other, but actually I need to underpin that digitally. So I need to yes. build a website. I need to have a transaction site of some sort. Yes. It, it's enabling those people as yes. well as high techie, techie people to yes. be able to do that. I, I kind of throw it into into three bu- buckets, if you will, in terms of digital skills. There's 
basic, there's general, and they're, they're advanced. And, you know, advanced for me are the coders, the programmers, those serious hardcore tech skills. But even just more basic stuff around digital literacy, you know, how do you use certain things? How do you navigate a website? How do you use your smartphone? How do you know how to navigate the digital landscape effectively? Because there's still a lot of people who just don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I get. I, I think I've always been involved in tech, so so I've had to learn it as I go along. Yes. Otherwise, I can't do my job. I I, I do sort of laugh. I, 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 it's quite a smug laugh as well. Um, it, you know, if if people come around to dinner or something, they're the same age as me, and actually, I can see they can't even really use their phone yeah. properly. Yes, I wonder what they're doing at work in in order to possibly hide their yes. lack of, you know, skills in that area because it's. It's almost impossible to function without that now in in most jobs. Well, well, it is. And even, you know, if you look at the public sector, you know, a lot of the, not just gov.uk, but, you know, the boroughs and the councils, they always say, look, you know, to access this or do that, you have to go onto the website. And for some people, that's really uncomfortable or they don't Mm. have access to the internet. So you have to look at that segment of the population and say, how do we help them? In addition to saying, you know, we're going to need, you know, tens of thousands of coders and software engineers, et cetera. It goes across the spectrum because every aspect of what we're doing today is being underpinned by some degree of digital or technology capability. And people need to be aware of that. So we're joined so. by Julian Hall and Mark Martin. Yes. Um, and one of the key areas I know that, that that's important, and, and, and last time we talked about infrastructure being mm-hmm. important, is inspiring young people. And we're not suggesting for any minute that this doesn't include everybody from all ages, but there's one critical path for you is, is inspiring young people to get into tech and digital. Yes. That's how we're going to make this million. By, yes, you know, by absolutely. Um, so, uh, can you, can you, which one of you want to speak first? Let's see. Uh, I'm looking at each uh, other. Uh, oh, Go for uh, it, Mark. Looking at each other. So, just tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and, and what you do, and then we're, we're going to ask you how we can inspire young people. Yeah, so my name is Mark Martin. I'm a secondary school teacher, and uh, I've been teaching in education for the last 15 years. And um, what I found about probably about eight years ago, there was a there was a merging gap from the curriculum that I was teaching around ICT at the time and also what the tech sector needed to actually kind of capture some of this talent that was in my classroom. So one of the things that I decided to do is take a step out. So as a teacher, I took the risk of stepping outside of the classroom to see what this world and industry looks like. And that was... Um, very life-changing for me because I started to realize that some of the stuff that I was teaching in my classroom was totally different to what the industry needed. So one of the first kind of big things I've done was join TLA and the educational group back there in the days. There you go, Russ. Look, he's, he's, ba- look back at Back in him. the basement days. You made him smile, <laughs> a big smile there. And that was really um, transformational for my students. And I'll tell you a story about that. So we, we was able to invite a lot of the, the, the startups at the time in EdTech to come into my school and showcase their products. Um, it was an experiment. And after probably doing it 15 to 20 times, the narrative in the young people started to change in terms of the, what I was teaching in the curriculum. And then also saying, sir, after this 15th EdTech you've shown us, now I can actually see myself in this industry. Hmm. I can actually see myself actually kind of critiquing because my students were really mean to these startups. They were really giving them a hard time about... Because um, these startups <laughs> were bragging about they had the silver bullet, they're the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> then when they put it in front of my students, the students ripped it actually apart. So 
it was great feedback for them. A bit of critical thinking there. Yeah. Huh? Good. So, so just explain to me again, uh, just going back. So you, you're teaching stuff at school. You've got the national curriculum, so you're sort of bounded by that in some ways. You know, you look like you're pretty up with it and hip and, you know, whatever. Why was it such a shock that what you were teaching was possibly irrelevant to some degree? Is that a bit harsh? So what was it just? Yeah. How was it wrong, really? So one of the biggest challenges is that um, tech is like the speedboat, and education is like Titanic. <laughs> and it's, it's it's how do we kind of be the lighthouse? So having um, TLA and all of the innovators such as Junior and myself, we're the lighthouses. We're trying to direct this big Titanic to some of the things that's happening at the speedboat, but also what the direction is. So for me, I was able to be this holistic teacher, not just so focused, just whatever happens in my classroom stays in my classroom. So that was um, one step for me now to become a Google teacher, Microsoft, Adobe and Apple, then travel around the world and help other teachers kind of replicate what we've done in the UK. So one of the word places that I was last year is in Serbia, teaching um, 500 Serbian teachers, how augmented reality is actually changing education through Pokemon Go. So that was really interesting. So, yeah. But it's a massive dilemma, though, because if things are changing so quickly and, and you're teaching teachers some of this stuff, then they'll go and do that for a year. Actually, it might have even changed within the next year. I mean, literally within a year. So how do you, so how do you keep up with that, uh, you know, with teaching digital? That's, that's really great. So for me, it's not about um, keeping up as such, but it's giving young people alternative pathways. So one of the things working in um, South London, a lot of the young people are restricted. If you haven't got a digital or tech-savvy parent or you haven't got a digital tech-savvy teacher or even school, you're limited in your focus. So the traditional job market will be uh, really prevalent for them in terms of becoming a doctor, lawyer, solicitor. But in terms of actually being a coder and not just sitting on your computer traveling and doing all the awesome stuff to kind of change the world and make the world a better place through technology, I think that um, that's that's where the disconnect happens, where there's not a lot of people within the system actually guiding young people. So, Julian, I know you and I were talking about this before, um, you know, before we went on air. Um, it's a, a child is only at school for a certain amount of time, and and you know they're at home for longer than that. And uh, you know, um, how how are we going to get the the sort of I don't know, what was that? The sort of atmosphere and the environment surrounding um, kids, not just at school but at home, so that they continue what you're trying to do, you know, in school. It's quite hard, isn't it? Because we, we've got to influence parents as well and teachers. Yeah. So the the approach that we take at Ultra Education is to take the parents and the teachers on a journey with us. So we recognise that we've only got those kids for a couple of hours for the week, and when we send them back to their usual environments, they've got. Those, in, those environments have more influence than we do. So we wrap our arms around the teachers, we wrap our arms around the parents, mm. and we enable them by uh, inviting them along to our events. Um, I'll give you an example. Just uh, two weeks ago, we had a taster session at Pivotal in Old Street, and they gave us our space. We had about 100 um, children and young people in there with about 10 of our teachers. But whilst that was happening, I was on the side with about 20 or 30 parents talking them through how we teach entrepreneurship to kids, right? And, you know, this is a two-hour session and throughout the entire two hours, they had lots of questions for me, um, you know, lots of, uh, you know, things to uh, throw to me about, 
you know, what's happening in school, what's happening with, with their child and how they could help to improve their children's lives by, you know, including a more um, innovative and an entrepreneurial approach to how they learn. So that's kind of how we do it. And we know that's different because uh, parents are soaking it up. In, it's almost as if they don't really get the opportunity to engage with educators um, or professionals on that level in a way that can in a, in more holistically impact the lives of their children. So we've done that by default. And a lot of it has come from the fact that, you know, I'm a parent of, of young of young kids. So when I'm looking at how we design our programs, I'm thinking about, you know, my, my kids, the kids I know in, in my community and in my, and in my family. And, uh, and we take feedback as well from what our kids are learning so that we can, you know, rinse and repeat and, and improve um, on how we can, um, again, impact everything in their environment. So we want to create what we call an enabling environment for their success. And we know that that, that isn't just the, the physical aspects of what's going on around, but also their own well-being. You know, mm. so we were talking to us earlier on about some of the, the social barriers that, that, that young people face. And in, you know, getting um, a portion of young people towards this road to one million, we need to be cognizant of that. We need to think about what are the barriers that they face um, socially, culturally, when going into different environments, what, what barriers do they face um, based on the postcode that they live in. Because, you know, you could live in a very well-to-do part of London and you've got access to certain things. You could live in a very deprived part of London and you don't have the same access. So how do we design from the very start the rollout of this initiative with those things in mind? But one of the problems for me is, have you ever watched Jurassic Park? I, I, I saw the last one and I have to admit you know, that I was you know, actually entertained you get, by you it. You get a coder <laughs> who somehow is like, doesn't wash and you know, operates in his mum's basement and he's... That is not the narrative now. Mark Zuckerberg changed all of that. And he's wearing a hoodie and all that sort of stuff. There is something, don't you think, Russ, about making being involved in digital sexy or desirable as opposed to, I want my kids to be a lawyer, I want them to be this, I want them to be a footballer. You know, how how on your road to a million can you make it a desirable thing to be involved in? Well, I think given what both Julian and Mark have said and, you know, why they're, they're such a critical part of what we're doing in the London tech community is they're basically breaking down that stereotype and saying, actually, that's not true anymore. You know, we're, we're touching young people in many different ways. We're getting them to say, you know, actually, you know, it's not this hoodie in the basement, but it's anyone and everyone. I like, I like that, hoodie in the basement. Anyone and everyone who, who needs to be part of this journey and who can be part of this journey, and they can see others being excited by it. Mark. I, I just want to say something in terms of hidden talent. I've done an article about a couple of years ago that there's this whole kind of impression that young people don't know there's a tech sector but half of them are using devices and being really creative on there and I think there's a sometimes it's just an awareness gap so these young people are in their rooms they sometimes they come to school no more than me about the curriculum why because they can sit on YouTube all weekend and get to a very sophisticated level at that and as a teacher instead of shutting them down I just say come and teach me I, I need to learn all of this stuff that you guys actually know and there's also people that I know who've got masters in data science and computer science that can't get into the sector. So they just continue in their bedroom or in the coffee shop, building the tools and technology, and there's no access points to actually get involved. So I think that with having this campaign that's going to be launched, it's kind of like, again, being that lighthouse on the hill to say, hey, there are opportunities in London and you actually you can actually get in, um, uh, connected to the whole grid. But one of the problems for me is as soon as you say the word science, you know, data science or, or you know programming, I, I just assume that I, I have to be a genius at maths. And, and I think that is one of the issues. I think that's one of the image issues, particularly for girls. 
So it's funny, Mark and I were having a conversation with a, with a young man just last week about how do we connect the, the skills, experience and knowledge that exist in the tech sector with young people, especially young people who are, are kind of disengaged with, te with technology. And he said, if you invite us to uh, a coding club, we're probably not going to come. But if you say, if we learn coding, it can help us to improve... Uh, our startups in fashion, food, sports or, or music and we get to own the assets at, at the end, we'll probably come along because we need to understand why is it relevant? How is it going to move the needle for us in our ability to become productive members of society? Because lots of young people who we see as we're either engaged or disengaged, they're, they're quite aspirational. And I think our job is to, is to connect the dots so that we can enable them. Um, otherwise, a lot of them go to the, onto the wrong end of the tracks. But... but They'll all, you know, go on Facebook, they'll understand how to upload, you know, photos or, or maybe make little mini videos or they'll be on Snapchat or they'll... So, so they've already got an amazing amount of understanding, which, which is intuitive and ex experiential, but actually they've got quite a good base. I, I can't think of any child or any, you know, young adult that's not... You know, well, when we start level, talking about cybersecurity, sort of, AI, um, Internet of Things, blockchain, they don't have, they could go online and work this stuff out for themselves, but why should they? Why shouldn't the industry say to themselves, look, we've got all of the cutting edge ideas, approaches and technologies. Let's open our doors. Let's facilitate a conversation. Let's, let's have you come in because effectively, if you think about a lot of those technologies, they will probably flourish in the next 10, 15 or 20 years. So it's going to be the next generation that will, be, that will own those, those areas of tech. But if we don't enable them now, then I think you know, we'll be missing a trick. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I thought was interesting, Russ, is, is um, you know, what, what we've just been saying is that not only are we, uh, have they got a degree of, of, of you know, sort of um, experience and skills, actually, we're getting businesses to go in front of kids and kids are going, well, that doesn't work. And I didn't like that very much. And then giving them a hard time because they are going to buy these things. They've That's got right. a really legitimate consumer angle to, to feed back. And maybe we're also missing their feedback into the digital sector too? Oh, I think we absolutely are. And I think, you know, I think both Julian and Mark make excellent points about, you know, how do you break down these barriers or how do you speak to the, the, these young people in such a way that gets them interested and engaged. So the, the point I, I love that you just made, Julian, was around, you know, don't just, you know, talk about coming to a code club, talk about Th this way of presenting it. And that gets people to think differently about it. And, you know, I think we have to look at any and all aspects of this and say, that's how we need to communicate it, coupled with, and again, why these two gentlemen are so important is you have the role models, you have the leaders who, one, can help engage, and two, can help put the spotlight on young people who are doing these things in these different parts of London to say, look at what this individual is doing here. They've made that leap in a very constructive way so it's not just coming back to this analogy, the hoodie in the basement. It's people from all walks of life who are doing this and to really inform and educate and say, this is open to anyone. We want tech to be open and inclusive and feel like anyone can have a career in this, whether it's a hardcore coding job or something more basic from digital. That is where this needs to be. And part of the drive for me in all of this is that we always say that we have a shortage of talent. I hear from startups and scale-ups and tech companies say we can't find right talent. And, and, I, and I kind of have to hold a mirror up to them saying, hang on a second, guys. You know, there is a massive amount of talent out there. 
Are you connecting to them in the right way? Are you reaching out to them in the right way? Are you looking into different recruitment pools where you've not traditionally looked? Because that talent well, is there. Well, I'm a bit and bored. Mark, you- I'm, I'm a bit bored of that argument actually, because because we've got we've got all these these children out here, you know, and these young adults, and so why are we? I know yeah. we need people from you know abroad to come and help us and all that sort of stuff because we will not fill that million jobs sure. internally. But there's a big chunk that could it's be filled chunk. internally, and it yeah. doesn't seem enough going on, or, or maybe I'm missing a trick here, that to encourage our own children in our own schools to fill that gap so one of the biggest problems that we face at the at the moment is we've got macro entities trying to solve uh localized problems and historically what, what do you mean by micro entities sorry so so we've got big um, initiatives big right. corporates yeah. big kind of programs big very big, big. Yeah, yeah big stuff and what happens is is that the micro um entities or the micro initiatives don't get the funding or support that is required because they're in the community, they're doing the work, they're they're connecting the young people to all of these opportunities. But what we find over time is that the macros try and come into that space and have very little impact. And one of the things I've been challenging the government with is especially is that, come on guys, you need to start supporting those people that are in the neighbourhoods, that are in those communities doing the work. And another point is that a, a lot of the young people, they want to get into tech. Tech is not a thing where, you know, it's just sitting at a computer. I think they they get the they understand that. But another thing is about the culture too. One of the things that we me and Julian talk about a lot is about with culture, is their purpose? Are, are are the young people just coming in it just to add to the global system of just making profit? Are they gonna be out there making something for good? And I think that we need to, as much as we can, debunk that and make an inclusive so that they can feel that they can actually be a part of this actual building UK to be the greatest tech sector that there is. So, so what you're saying is that there's already loads and loads of initiatives out there. There's already people who are you know, intimately connected to those communities. They're, just, they're part of those communities. And therefore, they are best placed to, to, to make this happen. And yet, you know, the government will talk to the big boys because, I don't know, they think they're more influential or something. And, and then they then parachute themselves in to and try and do something. Part of our message, and, and Mark and I have been on this journey for a very long time together, is to go to government and say, look, there are wonderful initiatives out there get behind them. And not just the government, it's the private sector. I speak to business leaders all the time saying, look, you want this kind of talent, you have to put some skin in the game here, whether it's funding, resources, whatever. This stuff is out there. And I, I say time and time again, let's not recreate the wheel, So folks. don't reinvent it. It's yes, already there. there. It's already there in, in so many aspects of this. We need to get behind it because the folks I'm looking at here know how to do this better than anyone else. Yeah. So, so you've got the event on the 20th November. Yes. It's um, fully booked up. So if you wanted to come, I'm really sorry you can't. <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's already done. And there's a waiting Follow list. Follow on Twitter on the There's day. a waiting <laughs> list of 100, so you've got no chance. Uh, but obviously, um, you'll be spinning out as much of that content as possible afterwards. Yes. How are you, with that event and with Global Tech Advocates, going to connect with guys like Julian and Mark and... and, and you know, encourage young people to get into the sector? How, how are you going to make that work? Well, I think, you know, having them being part of the event and, and both of them will be part of the event is key and making sure that we amplify their message, whether it's through Ultra Education or the great work that Mark is doing with UK Black Tech to make sure that we give them a platform. And I know 
um, Mark is particularly behind this Road to One Million campaign, we're, we're synergizing. We're coming together to say, look, one plus one equals three, one plus one equals five, and we're bringing many other people on that journey with us so that we're raising the awareness of what's going on here. So that's a key part of what we're trying to do here. And then it's about making sure that we continue to touch and include as many more people as we can. The more people we bring into this to get behind this, the stronger it becomes. I do sit, I do get to meet a lot of government ministers. I do get to meet people in City Hall. It must be a joy for you, Ross. Well, actually, it is a joy because I get to understand <laughs> where they're coming from. And, and time and time again, I have said to some of these leaders, look, it's out there. I'm it's being there flippant. Take- I mean, I think I think the problem is if you are a minister in government is is, is you're trying to get out there and understand rather than having reports thrust in front of you. Of course. And, and I, I do know a lot of these guys are desperate to get out into community because they can try and understand it because it is quite complicated and quite difficult. It is. I mean, And, and, and far removed probably from their own upbringing. Well, it is. I mean, just the other day I was I did a, a Sky News debate with Damien Collins, who's the chair of uh, Digital Culture, Media and Sport. And he wasn't familiar with the Ada College based in Tottenham, which is the first national college for digital skills. So I said, ah, you need to go. And I followed up literally that night and gave them the details because my message to him and to other government leaders is we need 50 more of those across the country. That is the type of initiative that we need to get behind. The work that Mark's doing with UK Black Tech, the work that Julian is doing with Ultra Education, let's get behind it and get these ministers to see at a grassroots level what's going on because in the grand scheme of things, the the funding required to do this is not massive. But we need that and from the private sector. So if we're speaking to BT or Microsoft or whomever, it's making sure that they are aware of these organizations so we can say, look, if you want to do something that really showcases tech for good, which, Mark, you were mentioning earlier, get behind these organizations. They're doing it but they and they know how to do it, but we need to expand their efforts. That's how we're going to make the impact. So, so Mark, um, uh, if anybody... You had a couple of million quid hanging about and, uh, you know, was was wanting to invest in some of the things that you're doing. Can you just very, very briefly explain what you're trying to do with ultra education and, and also what, what, you know, what we could do, or you and Mark, in terms of if you did have some extra funding, you know, what Im- impact that would make? Yeah, so... Um I'll just share quickly about UK. So UK Black Tech started um, last year. We launched in Bloomberg. And what we wanted to do is create a platform for the BAME community to be recognised in the tech sector. So we was able to do a range of different events. We worked with uh, Lambeth Council, part of the digital strategy, helping them to kind of raise the awareness that, you know, um, tech is everywhere in our society. Um, we also just recently signed a partnership deal with PwC to travel around the UK. So it's taken that kind of focus outside of London to the wider kind of demographic of the UK. And one of our things of what we're really passionate about is unearthing the the, the, the futurists, the experts and, and the visionaries to come to the party too, because I think sometimes... To make this the most diverse tech sector in the UK, we need everyone at the the, the helm to, to put their ideas in. And I think that sometimes people only solve problems what they can see or what they what they experience. But when you have a kind of wider pool and demographic of people, then you know amazing stuff that can happen. So if you did give me a million pound, I'll, I'll probably set up. <laughs> I'm not a, saying I've got it, by I'll, the way, okay. but I'll try on your behalf. Yeah, I'll send you my um, bank account details oh, um, later, so we can get. <laughs> but um, so I think if you gave me a million pound, I think it's all about um, creating economic bases for um, a lot of these um, communities. And I think that sometimes we do a lot of flash in the pan that's really short term and doesn't have no longevity to it. So if you're going to 
be putting funding into certain communities or certain digital initiatives at a very grassroots. Let's give them a loan. Let's give them a loan of um, X amount of, um, uh, of of money. And hopefully that can create, they can be sustainable in their kind of um, world. Most of the times this is that we kind of do the parachute in and then parachute out and we leave these companies like um, trying to find figure it all out while the initiatives go on. so Some people call that seagulls. They yeah, come seagulls. in and you know what they do and then they fly off. But there you go. Sometimes that causes more problems, actually. And, and that's one of the things that's affected a lot of communities in this space that we over-promise and under-deliver. And I think that by creating economic basis for the different demographics within this space, then um, things will start to take off. I know that there is lots of initiatives. And one of the things that we don't really talk about is these grant forms. And I had a really interesting conversation with um, uh, a group of people who give out lots of funding. I said, do you ever show good practice or exemplars of these grant forms? Because what happens traditionally is the same old people get the same old grants and get the same old money and funding. And I think that is for us as UK Black Tech, we challenge a lot of the status quo. And being an independent group, we're able to say, come on, guys, you need to now think about how do you diversify these grants that are going out too. Mark, do you agree with all that? Julian. Uh, Ju- <laughs> Julian, sorry. He, he, he's I've got my, so excited. He is my true brother, <laughs> we, by the way. I've got so excited. <laughs> it's fine. I got so excited there, I forgot what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just to build on what Mark's saying, I think uh, for us it's about access. And if we want to really engage young people... Uh, Young people need to be approached and within their existing comfort zones. So to ask them to come to areas of London that they're not familiar with, that they've is a bit of a culture shock to them, I think is a is is a reach. I think we need to set up uh, very local, hyper local innovation hubs which are youth led, fully digital. Um, with, you know, real entrepreneurs that can take and, and help to support those ideas. And good fun as well. And really Not good fun. Serious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think we, if we were to, you know, drop a, a whole bunch of those across uh, very low-income um, areas of, of London and the UK, I think we'd probably see some of the um, greatest innovations um, in the last 10 years, I think. Because, and Mark will tell you, when you put stuff in front of young people um, who are super creative, you you see some amazing things. And for me, uh, the, the kind of mashup of, of tech, uh, culture, and, you know, what's happening in today's society, you know, the ways in which young people are expressing themselves. I'm personally really excited to see what, what they come up with. And I'm really excited to, you know, be a part of what can facilitate that. So I think putting uh, those, putting the access to the tech, to the individuals, to the expertise, you know, within a bus ride away from where young people exist, for me, is is where I would spend that that million. Yeah, I mean, I was brought up in um, I was brought up in sort of Lambeth area, I'm South London. Sorry to hear that. South London myself. <laughs> uh, it's probably worse than it is now, but anyway. Um, uh, and I think I would no more have, have gone to somewhere like Knightsbridge than fly to the moon uh, because yeah. I'd be. I just uh, it's just it's literally a different can world. I, can I just add literally something to world. this conversation because we we hear a lot about young people killing themselves and it, it's really a problem in London at this current time. But we don't hear a lot of stories about the young people that are teaching other kids to do robotics on the weekend. Oh, yeah, some amazing. So th- there's so there's so much uh, stories out there that's not being told about young people being in an innovative in their space and. I've even got young people saying, sir, what can we do to think about how can we use technology to solve some of the issues that are on our door, something yeah. in our neighbourhood? And I, I just think that um, 
um, having TLA and having Ultra Education and UK Black Tech, we can raise these issues and, and say like, hey, there are people out there willing to change the, the narrative. Because if you just uh, listen to the news, whether it's fake news or not, it, it, it kind of brings into a lot of people's mindsets and uh, uh, kind of a narrow view. So that then, then that has huge repercussions. You won't get the yeah. funding, you won't get the support, you don't get the recognition. And a lot of our young people, are, as I keep on saying, are, are tech savvy, but when they do go into the industry, a lot of the, the biases will say that, hey, you're not. Because yeah. we don't have enough yeah. 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 as well. It's that really young people point. are young people are putting us to task. So the reason why you hear Mark and I so passionate about it is because when we go back to our young people, they'll say, "Oh, you know, Mark Julian, you know, it's great. We saw you on the podcast. We we, we saw you on Twitter and Instagram. But what is that doing for us yep. exactly? Oh, that's a very good question. Right? And they're they're perfectly entitled. And, and yeah, and question. they're at, they're asking. They're saying, you know, it's great that you guys are out there. You've got all these Twitter followers and you're on YouTube and you know all of that kind of stuff. But we still don't have something to do in the summertime. We still don't have something to do um you know um during half term there still isn't a place for us to exercise our our, our, our ideas you, you're tweeting about big data i'm trying to start up something over here and there's no support yeah. you know what are you doing for and, for us and, and Russ, get us what are you doing well that's a very good segue into <laughs> what we are doing which is at the event at mansion house on the 20th of november the road to one million uh, event, we are introducing the Tech London Advocates 25 under 25. So, you know, it's not just Julian, it's not just Mark, who are over over 25, um, but it's, it's putting some young people front and center at the event. We've been getting a whole host of nominations, um, and we want to basically say this is who's out there doing great things that may not be on people's radars, but look at what they're doing with their communities, with their schools, at their universities, wherever it might be. So that is going to be something we're going to be celebrating. Good, that's fantastic. Also, what we need is a, a couple more dozen Julians and Marks, don't we really? They're amazing. Yes, I've often They're totally said amazing. I'd, I'd like to clone them. I, I would definitely <laughs> like so to clone them. So that's where we would put <laughs> yeah. technology to so Yeah, so get use. some technology on that. There is 3D printing technology, by the way. So if you want to invest in me, I've got a brand new idea. <laughs> <laughs> sounds fair enough. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, really, um, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And, and, and the whole point of this event, and I know what you're trying to do with GTA, and I know what you're trying to do, the road to one million is, let's, let's really inspire people from all sorts of areas, but particularly young people. I mean, I feel quite yes. passionate about that um, they're just being overlooked and imagine the massive contribution they can make so so um, good luck with the campaign Thank final you. word from you before I wrap up um, it's going to be a great event um, and with people like Julian and Mark uh, helping us with the campaign and with their own initiatives there's no reason why we can't succeed absolutely so you've been listening to Global Tech Advocates GTA Tech Talk Show thank you to my fellow presenter Rush Shaw thank you Rush. thank you Sue and the amazing uh, Julian Hall and Mark Martin, thanks for joining us. I know you ran here. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much. Um, Tech Talk is available on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify and on the podcast app on your phone. Please contact us via Twitter on at Tech Talk Show UK if you've got any thoughts um, about young people in tech or if there's any projects that you think we should know about. Um, and you can follow Russ Shaw on at Tech London Adv. 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 Um, so um, you've been listening to Tech Talk Show and I hope you have a good week. Bye.